0: We need to prove that this is going to work. And that gut feeling is that this thing will work no matter what other people say.
1: Silicon Valley likes to say that it's making the world a better place. But that's mostly bullshit. The problems that most famous tech companies are solving aren't real problems. But in other countries, developing countries, there are entrepreneurs who are building things that are Actually, changing people's lives in very practical ways. That's what this podcast is about. I'm David Madden. Welcome to the Revolution of Necessity. On this podcast, we share the stories of tech entrepreneurs in developing countries. These are people who are innovating in places where technology could genuinely make the world a better place. This podcast is supported by Omidyar Network. Omidyar Network is a philanthropic investment firm set up by the guy who created eBay, Piero Midier, and his wife, Pam. If you like this podcast, please take a second to click subscribe and to rate us. If you've grown up in a country with very little technology and almost no access to the internet, how do you end up being a tech entrepreneur? Today, we're going to hear the story of two sisters from Myanmar and how they got the startup bug. Four years ago, Honey Win and her sister Yi participated in the first hackathons in Myanmar. Today, they're running Chaitsat, the country's biggest freelance marketplace, a platform where businesses and individuals can find someone to build their website, design their logo, translate their documents, or whatever service they need. Chaitzat is one of Myanmar's most promising early-stage startups. I was in Myanmar running an organization that supports startups, so I got to witness this journey. I'm excited to have Honey and Yi here today to share their story. Honey and Yi, welcome to The Revolution of Necessity.
0: Hello, David. Hello, David. It's me, hey.
1: Yi. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start at the beginning and talk about how you both came to be working in technology, Honey, you started your career as a telecoms engineer. But how did that happen?
2: Actually, it was my dad. I was still attending school, uh, secondary school.
1: And this is here in Yangon.
2: Yeah. And my dad really wanted wanted me to become like female t- technician, like a, a computer technician.
1: Why did he want you to become a engineer?
2: At that time it's really rare because all the I mean all the technicians and all, all this technology related in this field or like almost all of everyone is Male, so he wanted me to become like one of those very few female technicians. You
1: have to tell me about your dad then. Why did your Why did your dad want you to blaze a trail?
2: We didn't notice at first, but he's one of our you know inspirational entrepreneurs because he was like doing all sorts of things from stationary um, shop owner to you know building this purifying water bottle factory, all those, all these kind of things. So, so your dad's
1: an entrepreneur.
2: He wanted me to become a tech geek.
1: And did you like that idea? Did you think, okay, yeah. Yeah,
2: I would like to try. So, in summer holiday, we usually go to painting classes, you know, all these kind of, you know, classes for uh, kids. At that time, I was really small. I mean, maybe it's in sixth or seventh grade.
1: So, all your friends in high school are going Mm -hmm. to painting classes. And you go to swimming classes. And you go to like a networking school?
2: The hardware training.
1: But are there other thirteen-year-old women no girls? Way.
2: In this <laughs> <laughs> no way. So, like a lot of them are twenty plus. It's really strange. Almost my entire life, I was being like the youngest one, the youngest one in the class. They like really, really took care of t- took care of me. But, but it's, it's strange for them as well having a teenager in the class. But I guess I did well, and I knew how to. Op- I mean, how this thing operate, I mean, what are the what are these things inside it, like. CPU, memories, and, you
1: know, all these little things. Honey spends her summer holidays learning how computers work and how to connect them and make them work together. She's into it. And after she finishes high school in 2008, she spends two years in a technical college studying how to be a network engineer.
2: What I really want to become is, you know, to get these kind of certificates and diplomas here and then go and walk
1: abroad. But Honey didn't go abroad. She gets a call from her trainer.
2: At the time, he told me that you don't really need to go abroad, you know, because all these technology companies, they're going to come here.
1: Around this time, the Myanmar government decides to open up its telecommunications market. There's going to be new mobile network operators, and telecoms engineers will be in high demand. Honey gets a job with the big Chinese company, Huawei. Her younger sister, Shui Yi, has been watching her progress, but it's not really her thing.
0: My dad wanted me to go to the same part that Honey did. The thing is that I'm not interested in that computer hardware stuff at all. The, my favourite software is the paint. I, I like to draw. So I said that uh, I'm not interested in those hardware stuff and I want to do, attend uh, Photoshop.
1: And when you finished high school... What did you do?
0: I joined diploma in computer art and we, I found out that I'm more interested when I, I have to design the thing with the coding. This is where I started learning HTML. <laughs> Rather than drawing with the software, drawing and designing something with the coding is cool, I think. <laughs> it's because I write those code and uh, the design show up. <laughs> in 2013,
1: Shui gets a software job with a local game developer. Soon after, things start getting interesting. In 2014, two big international telecommunications companies get mobile operating licenses and set out to get the country connected. I'm really interested in this. I spent most of my life working in technology and startups. But in 2012, I followed my wife to Myanmar. Now that the country was finally getting connected, I thought I might be able to help support the local tech community. I organise a hackathon, a 48-hour marathon coding event for software developers and designers. The goal is to build apps that will help local organisations doing important work. Apparently, it's the first ever hackathon in Myanmar. And that's where I meet Yi.
0: When I was in the company, our manager said that let's go participate in the first ever hackathon.
1: Did you know what a hackathon was when you went to this thing, Shueyi? No, you? I okay.
0: have no idea. <laughs> All right.
1: So when your manager said, okay, you have to work this weekend, we're going to a hackathon, what did you think it was?
0: I was excited at the very first time. Okay. You see that it's a competition, like we have to walk through 48 hours, and let's Give it a try together. So I was, it's like a teamwork. And I said, okay, yeah, why not? <laughs> That's, because it's new and I was super excited.
1: And the event was all weekend.
0: Yeah, it was all weekend. It's 48 hours straight. Teamwork is really strong. I can say, and for us, we go with the team. Mm. But for other people, they just came along and they meet strangers there and make a group and walk together. <gasps> right away. So I was really, really excited to see that. That was great, although we didn't want any <laughs> any prize.
1: But you still had a good time. Yeah. The tech community loved the first hackathon. So later in 2014, I organised another one. And this time, Honey joins her sister.
0: I was really excited to join it again. But so that uh, at that time, Honey said that, okay, I'm joining trying- <laughs>
2: So yes, because yeah. she couldn't, you know, stop talking about it. <laughs> At the time, it was like, she was like talking about this 40-hour coding thing and people are like, you know, sleeping there, eating there, coding there. So yeah, I decided to join her and the team, even though I don't uh, know anything about coding or in the registration, you know, form as well. There were like three categories, like developers, designers, and entrepreneurs. So I don't code, so I'm not design <laughs> a designer or developer, but The entrepreneur thing—I don't know what that is. I can't even pronounce it. But (laughs) (laughs) but then I asked her, and I I Google it, and they said, you know, you gotta pitch, you gotta pitch to the uh, the audience about your solution, and you gotta present it and find the solution together with the team. So okay, maybe I I could be an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) I I I just register
1: (laughs) as an entrepreneur. The goal of the second hackathon is to develop technology solutions for local businesses.
2: So what we chose was this vegetable box delivery service. And the thing is that they all do it manually. So there are like difficulties in taking orders and trying to summarize them and then arranging the vegetables to deliver it in time. So yeah, we decided to pick this problem and provide a ordering and delivery
1: system. Had either of you ever ordered anything on the internet before?
2: Mm, no. <laughs> no. Not at the time. Not at the time, <laughs> time.
1: So, how did you how did you figure out what this should look like? Right. There's almost no, no e-commerce in yes, Myanmar no in 2014. So very little.
0: Very little. And there's no chance that we can order from overseas as well. So that we don't have any experience of online shopping or e-commerce. But the thing is that the problem that he can he's facing has to be solved technically as well as locally. Because Our culture and our market is very different from what other countries
1: it was a 48 hour hackathon so 48 hours later wh- what did you have
2: we won <laughs> yeah we couldn't believe it but because most of the time we were like having fun so they were like coding and i was preparing slice and you know taking selfies <laughs> 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 and we are making new friends and i mean the network you know the other developers and talking about the same problems how we solve it all these kind of things
1: how did it feel to win it's
2: unbelievable. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, because we didn't hope for anything. We just came here to experience this event. So it's unbelievable. <laughs> At that time, I was only a junior web dev- developer, so that I'm not a tech geek. Uh, we don't have any online sh- ordering system or online shopping experience. We are just all noobs, <laughs> uh, working together, having fun.
1: The company that needed that. Online ordering service is so impressed that it pays Honey and Shui Yi to build it properly for them. It's just a side gig. Honey goes back to her job at Huawei and Shui Yi goes back to coding school. But the excitement from their big win stays with them.
2: This spark that we experience is really amazing, and we get to know that there there are a lot of problems to be solved in Myanmar. And then I got into it. I I don't know how, but I just got into it. In
1: 2015, Pandia, that's the tech hub that I created off the back of all that hackathon excitement, organizes a big nine-day startup competition. Participants have a chance to win thousands of dollars to jumpstart their business.
2: There's this another competition, but there are no problems involved. So (sighs) you have to be creative, solving your own problems. So we uh, decided to come up with this idea to sell handmade things from housewives. And so you had
1: an idea for an online crafts marketplace, yeah, yeah. like Etsy. Honey and Yi's version of Etsy doesn't win, but they do get an honourable mention. More importantly, the competition includes a week of workshops on the lean startup approach. And they learn some critical skills.
0: That's the time where we are really out to the market because we, we have to do the market research, <laughs> so that we we really to, we have to go to talk to that strange strangers, complete strangers. <laughs> so this is actually where we get out of the room, yeah. Because at the hackathon, we just need to stay at the room for the hours straight, just doing coding. But this time, it's different.
1: Did you talk to potential customers? Yeah, yeah. What was that like?
0: At first, I was not there to do that because me as a developer is not... (laughs) It's not... the usual thing that developers do <laughs> because, so but for now i have to go out to the complete stranger for us it's we focus on women empowerment f- for our product so that we have to go to women organizations so that i have to talk to not just to normal people but to that organizational level people so it's really hard to get appointment with them so, so you
1: were determined right you you didn't <laughs> yes. you didn't take no for an answer you you just go and show up yeah. if you didn't get an appointment <laughs>
0: yeah that's Another exciting thing that we experienced.
1: What was the most important thing that you learned at the Startup Challenge?
0: It's the market, market conditions. For some products, our market is still not ready yet. So that when we do those market research, we found out that there is a problem, but the, the way that we solve is might not be ready for the market yet.
1: Honey and Shui learned the importance of developing and testing hypotheses. They quickly discovered that Myanmar isn't ready for an online crafts marketplace. But the idea of building their own company has taken hold.
0: After that startup challenge, we started a tech solution provider called Technoholic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so it's just not a startup, it's just a normal b- small business.
1: They start building websites, but they run into a problem.
2: At the time, it's just uh, two of us, and we are getting projects from this hackathon client. There are other friends asking us to do their website, but it's just two of us. So we have to find another developer, obviously. And at the time, we don't have any capital. It's really difficult for us to hire someone when we are not sure we're getting the project or not. So we decided to go to hire some freelancers, but they, there's, no, uh, there's
1: no platform for it. Not only is there no easy way to get freelancers, but there's also no easy way for freelancers to get work. Shui Yi knows this from her own experience doing freelance web development.
0: Since then, I was interested in freelancing because I just finished my school. I just go straight to uh, try the workforce. And I, don't, I don't meet with many people. So in order to get the projects I have to rely on some of my friends they bring in the projects and I do the projects but the problem is that I have to give like half of my uh, payment to them
1: half you have to give yes. half yes that's quite a lot <laughs>
0: but I was happy to do that at that time because I just want the portfolio for me and then I figured out that it's not right because 50% of my payment is not, not right <laughs> something wrong
1: suddenly Honey and Yi have a product idea Rather than just hire freelancers to help them do client service work, they should build a platform that makes it easy for anyone to hire freelancers. They use the skills they learned at the Startup Challenge to test their idea. Although freelancing is at an early stage in Myanmar, it's clear there's an opportunity.
2: There are a lot of Facebook that people are searching freelancers
0: on Facebook. They don't even say that it's freelancing. They just say that, okay, I need someone to do this part-time or project-based. They don't even use that freelance word. (laughs) They just say that they need it temporarily so that people don't even know what freelancing
1: is. A few of us in the community encourage Honey and Yi to pursue their idea and they decide to put it out there. They use every chance they can to get feedback. They apply to a regional accelerator program. They enter a startup pitch competition.
2: For us, we don't really um, know, actually know how to operate this, you know, business. Uh, this business. So we just, uh, they could give us some advice about sharing this idea. So we go and pitch. Uh, not only there, we go and attend events, talk to people and share this idea.
1: Was well, this a Common thing in Myanmar in two thousand and sixteen to to run around and tell people your ideas.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't think so. <laughs> still, <laughs> still now people, um, especially like Myanmar people, they are like secretive about their ideas.
1: So why weren't you secretive about your idea?
2: Because uh, if if we are, I mean, if if it is only if if it's just two of us know this idea, then that won't work. Obviously, because people have to know about it. To use this, and uh, people have to know that it exists.
1: were not you worried that someone might steal your idea?
2: We do actually, we do, yeah. <laughs> but there's no other option. Yeah, and uh, the main thing is with the one with the passion to, to to transform this idea into a real business. Even if someone is going to do it, then they won't. They won't be thinking about all the all these other prospects that we have, we have already
1: thought about. Yeah. Honey and you get valuable feedback. But they realize that if they're serious about this business, they're going to have to do it full time.
2: I realize that maybe we don't focus enough or we don't work enough. And that's when I start thinking about quitting my job.
1: This is a big decision. Honey is a telecoms engineer. And telecoms is the hottest thing in Myanmar. It's booming.
2: It was uh, really difficult for me to actually quit my job, you know. Uh, I was, like, working probably, like, till eight or nine and, at night, and then I came back home, and then I was with Shui Yi up until, like, one or two in the morning. At first, I was enjoying a double career, but it's really tiring, and it's, I don't think it's good for both.
1: Honey and Shui Yi are at a crossroads. They have an idea that they're really excited about, But Hani's work and their family are telling them not to do it. They know they need some help to make their idea happen. It's their first startup and they've got no money. As it happened, at that time, in 2016, my organization Pandia is launching Myanmar's first ever startup accelerator. As that startup competition in 2015 had shown, there were literally hundreds of young people like Hani and Shui Yi who want to create their own startups. Pandiar Accelerator is a six-month program to give them the funding, coaching, and network necessary to succeed. It's exactly what Honey and Shui need.
2: We don't have much network. We don't know a lot of investors. We don't know a lot of people doing startups. And uh, most, of, most importantly, we don't know someone who could guide us. I was like, even if we don't get into the program, I'm going to quit, you
1: know. Wow. So you were really determined. You already made your decision. So, yeah.
2: I'm going to focus on this thing and... Why were you
1: so determined to to do this business?
2: Because we need to prove that this is going to work. And
0: that gut feeling is that this thing will work no matter what other people say.
1: You've already pitched this business twice. Uh-huh. What did you What did you do differently the third time?
0: We improved a lot because whenever we participated in competition, we got that feedback. That feedback is really helpful. If we tweak it, we change it, we, we modified it. We we participated in another competition again. We got the feedback and a uh, new feedback, and we tweak it again. So this is a like
2: this is a third time.
1: Did you think it was going to be third time lucky?
2: Yeah, both of us spent hours just to prepare for the pitch and everything we put in our full effort so, in it so we believe that this time will. this be, time yeah we, we,
1: we could we're gonna hit it finally their hard work pays off you've been working away at this business for, for for a little while but now you've now you've really got a chance to to go at it you've got some funding you've got mentorship you're in a space with some other startups but there are challenges
2: Mm, yeah. What are, what what are the big challenges you
1: face in those early days?
2: It's uh, getting into market and actually asking people to use your platform, use your, you know, product.
1: So when you say it was the market honey, was it getting the freelancers? Was it getting the companies to post the projects? What was the what was the hard bit?
2: Mm, elf. At first, it was uh, it's like getting the right freelancers for the client. So mm. we we have this uh, client who would say that they would uh, I mean, he would post project for, on a platform once we launched. So he posts a project, and we really hurry, you know, and find the free right freelancers for.
1: Do you remember what the first project was that was posted? Uh, that was a
2: translator. Yeah, yeah, translation project. So
1: did you have any translator? <laughs> Freelancers on the platform?
2: No. no. <laughs> so
1: you get your first job yep. and you've you got go no, no freelancers to do it. What <laughs> yeah. do you do?
0: We go out in every single channel that we could use to reach out to the translators. And you found someone? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. What was it like to go to these companies in, in Myanmar and, and pitch them your your Product way?
2: Uh, It's hard because (laughs) because what we target is for the local uh, small businesses and startups. So, for the startups, they understand what a freelancing platform is, they understand what benefits they would get. But to get out to this, you know, real customers and real small businesses, it's uh, hard for them because they are, even if they are using like part time or freelancers, they don't know that they are using it. Again, it's a website and people with very little technology knowledge all they know is facebook is the internet for them so
1: so how did you convince them honey this sounds pretty tough
2: when you are thinking about someone get their job done in like a few hours then we just give uh, provide them the value that we could give them freelancers that we have and the skills that we they have they could solve it and it
1: was there a particular moment that was really was really really bad
2: yeah, a lot of moments. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tell me your worst moment.
0: When my server went down. <laughs> okay. Because
1: so, Shwaye, you, you're the developers. So you yes. take on the role of... CTO. You're, you're taking on the CTO role. You're head of product, head of technology.
0: Yeah. My server just went down whenever the uh, pool of user came up <laughs> so that uh, there were times when I have to walk through the night.
1: Did you know what you were doing?
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How did you figure out what to do?
0: Well, I have to do it <laughs> because there's just me, <laughs> so I, I have to do that. That's the time that I learn a lot. Me, freelance developer and junior web developer is now handling the server and stuff. But it must
1: be pretty bad. The site's gone down. Yeah. You've got yes, people I, trying have, to post I have no jobs. idea
0: what went wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and there were times that I would just want to scream mm.
2: and cry it out. <laughs>
1: Honey, do you remember a moment that was it was that was really hard and
2: at first, when we got into the program, there were like four team members, two of us and the other two members and then we tried to hire some more. there's this one time all of them resigned, so it's back to two, you know <laughs> and it's like starting all over again and how did that feel <laughs> Uh, it's horrible (laughs) because freaking it's just two of us doing all this operation and finance, fundraising and what else? Everything.
1: It's not easy but at the end of the six months their freelance marketplace has got real traction. They have over 3,000 freelancers on the platform and over 500 companies looking to hire. The program culminates with a demo day a chance to pitch a room full of investors.
2: All of us are preparing for demo day for like six months. We are uh, preparing for it. And the main reason what we're doing is to prove to this audience that we it's not just an idea, it's like a working idea and we need to prove with our key metrics and numbers. In three minutes, we have to convince them of what we have done in six months.
1: At the end of the demo day, the judging panel declares Chaitzat to be the most promising startup. More importantly, Honey and Yi also meet an investor who's excited about their business. A few months later, they close their seed round. The next phase of the startup begins. Has it been hard building this, this business? It's,
2: yeah, it's hard, and it's harder being a, a woman leading the business as well. For example, we got we had a chance to have an appointment with a client, and it was at the bar at night. They were like really rude at us, and then we were like smiled at them, and then uh, they were joking
0: about our business model. Yeah. But what we could all do is just smile at them and say okay. With my own emotion, I could have just split him water on his face <laughs> because, because we are presenting our product, we couldn't do, we shouldn't do anything rude, although they are very
2: rude to us. If it was like, you know, two men presenting this platform, they won't, they won't, they won't say such kind of thing to, uh, to us because because we're women, they they treated us that way. Some look down because
0: just being young woman <laughs> uh, entrepreneur, so that they look down, some look down to us. We also have some difficulties in uh, managing our team as well, because we're two young women.
1: In those moments, or maybe after those moments, who did you turn to for some support?
2: We talked about that to our coach.
1: At the Accelerator Program. Accelerator Program. Yeah.
2: So he was uh, really angry about about it. And we were like open to him about like every other thing as well. No, not about the business, about our family, about our financial conditions, like situations that we face and all the depressions and and uh, all the no's that we we get, we
1: got at the time. Because so, you get a lot of no's, right? Yes, yes. yes. Did ever did ever feel like it was too much? Um,
2: no, no. From from for yeah. me, yeah, yeah I, I don't no. think so. It's like you know, getting these no's is worth it because at least we ask them why. Because even if it's a client or an investor say no to us, we ask them why you think this is going to this is not going to work for you, and for the investors as well, we always ask them why they're not interested or why they're not ready to invest in us. us. So, and every time we make sure that we got something out of it.
1: Today, Chaitzat has over 13,000 freelancers on their platform. And they're working with over 2,000 companies in a range of markets, translation, coding, marketing, design. It's still early days, but they have big plans for the future. What's your vision for Chait Sat?
0: Uh, what do you think of freelance? They will only see Chase Sat.
1: So it's going to be synonymous. It's going to become a verb. I'm yes. going to Chase Sat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How big can this business get?
2: For me, my dream is like to be a serial entrepreneur. You know, and to achieve that dream, I want to um, make this one successful. We really want to have this community of freelancers and providing their needs. So searching, finding projects for them and providing space for them to come and work at. When freelancers need anything at all, they we could come they? and they will come to change Honey
1: yeah. Honey, Shwayi, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, and you've got an amazing story. And thank I'm you. really excited for the world to hear it. Thank you for taking yeah. the time to share it with us. Yeah, today. thank you for
0: inviting us as well. Like we feel the, that uh, excitement <laughs>
2: and yeah, we can feel this excitement again, again. all over again. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> well, it's been great. Thank, yeah. you. thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Revolution of Necessity. If you enjoyed this podcast, please click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. It would also be great if you could help us out by telling your friends and colleagues about it and rating us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or whatever your favourite podcast platform is. We'd also love to hear from you. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Medium, Instagram. All the links are on revolutionofnecessity.com. Or go old school. Just send me an email, david at revolutionofnecessity.com. Thanks again to Omidyar Network for supporting this podcast. To learn more about what Omidyar does, check them out at omidyar.com. This episode was produced by Julia Olsop with production assistance from Ellie Lightfoot and Naomi Gingold. Editing help from Sarah Barrett. Our engineer is William Smith and the music is by Coyote Mustache. Special thanks to Symphony Creative Arts Studio in Yangon and Clean Cut Studios in DC. We'll have another episode for you very soon. Okay, so I have one last question for you. Does Chaitzat have a theme song?
2: Yes, yeah, we do. It's work from home.
1: <laughs> work from home?
2: Yeah, fifth harmony.
1: Okay, <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> because we actually, yeah, 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 yeah we plan to, we, we used it. We used it at, at the time
0: of day or the day we pitched at the accelerator program.